Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you all had a great weekend. Another new episode of Unbothered today. Going to recap week 14. A lot happened. Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa squared off. Justin Herbert got the better of him. Tom Brady was absolutely crushed, demolished, washed in his return to his hometown of San Francisco. Didn't look good. Cincinnati pulls out another win. MVP is looking to go Jalen Hurts' way. I preview the Patriots-Cardinals tonight. Both teams looking to get on the right track. Uh, Only one of them can. Cardinals' possibility of elimination tonight. Talk about that. Then, World Cup. Aaron Judge, my original college football playoff predictions and how we are uh, at and where we're at right now in the season with bowl games coming up, college football playoff a couple weeks away. So let's get right into it. Let's start with tonight's Monday night football matchup, New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals. Who do I have to win this game? Who do I think has the edge? I think New England uh, has the edge here. I'm just going to you know, bluntly say it, they're favored. I think they are going to win this game. Uh, Cardinals, to me, are just reeling. Bad defense. Uh, offense that just has a tough time making plays. I know they're coming off a of bye week, uh, but Cliff Kingsbury's group has really uh, underachieved this year uh, in all aspects, uh, considering where the expectations are sort of were to kind of at least have a similar sort of success, maybe a tiny bit of regression, but they have regressed far uh, behind the mean this year. They're sitting at 4-8. and eight. A loss tonight would officially eliminate them uh, from the playoffs, and I think tonight's the night they get eliminated. Uh, Cardinals are dealing with, to me, who a superior coach, in Bill Belichick, who gets his team usually motivated for these big primetime games. Uh, he does good against former assistants or players uh, that he's had. You know, Cliff Kingsbury was a backup quarterback there for a year in Arizona. Kind of knows the ways of New England. I think Bill Belichick is just going to break uh, this team apart. Kyler Murray has not been himself, has not played well at all. Uh, 2,300 yards, only 14 touchdowns uh, in seven interceptions. He hasn't played well. This offense hasn't been in rhythm all year, and you can say it's a number of things. DeAndre Hopkins' PED suspension to start the year, uh, the Marquise Brown trade, he's been injured throughout as well. Then you had a Robbie Anderson trade, and he just has been injured, not productive, James Conner. So a lot of things in and out of the lineup. but to me, they should be better than what they were. I know Kyler Murray's been injured as well. But to me, this team, even when healthy, has not been good. Uh, you know, they've had, you know, games where they appear to be good or they play a better team. Uh, but as of lately, I don't see them as that strong of a team. And when you look at their last loss before the bye week, that loss to the Chargers, that really is a deflating loss. I know. They had the Monday night game where we just got absolutely torched by the 49ers, but the 49ers are a better team. But then to rebound and lose in the last second on a two-point try to the Chargers, that's one that really hurts and stings and kind of stays with you through a bye week. 
So, you know, with that, I think they have a hard time getting motivated uh, because to even sneak into the playoffs, obviously you need to win out and a lot of things go your way. And I just don't think can go the Cardinals. Why I think their season is over. I think New England sends them home tonight. I think Cliff Kingsbury will be without a job after this year. Uh, and they're going to be exploring, hey, what quarterback can fit Kyler Murray and really maximize uh, his talent and potential that he has. We're able to see glimpses of it with Cliff Kingsbury, but we haven't been able to put together a complete picture of a full puzzle, a full season uh, with Cliff Kingsbury. So I think they want a strong coach, a uh, strong-minded coach that can do it. I know there's rumblings of Sean uh, Payton. I think he'd be an excellent coach, excellent fit here, uh, considering just the weakness of Cliff Kingsbury, my bad, and the weakness of general manager Steve Kime as well. A couple of jokers uh, that don't know uh, what they're doing. So I think, you know, a stronger coach would definitely benefit this team and benefit uh, this roster because they're going nowhere, nowhere fast. So I think New England Patriots win, uh, play solid defense, you know, Cardinals are coming off a bye. Patriots are coming off a mini-bye where they had a, a bad loss to the Bills. And the Patriots, following a home loss uh, under Bill Belichick, were 12-2. and That's pretty That's pretty dang good. So I think they went to tonight's game. I think they improved to 13-2. and uh, Do I think this is going to be, you know, great game offensive showing? No, I think the Patriots' defense is really sound and really solid, uh, you know, Lost, they've lost two straight uh, primetime games, one to the Vikings, a uh, tough loss there, and then, you know, to the Bills, just outclassed them. But I think tonight they get back on track. The Patriots win, they get to 7-6, and six, and to me they have also more to play for than the Cardinals. I know Cardinals are looking to avoid elimination, uh, but the Patriots are still very much in the thick of the playoff race to me for that seventh seed. In the AFC, uh, a win tonight, and they have the seventh seed. They'll uh, leapfrog the Jets because they have the head-to-head win, and then they'll have a better uh, strength of schedule, strength of victory, you know, conference record as well than the Los Angeles Chargers. So all those tiebreakers they possess, they've been leapfrog both those teams and be the seventh seed. So to me, this is, you know, a big game because this is their easiest game to, at least to me, the remainder of a way. After this, Patriots play the Raiders. Uh, Raiders play tough. They'll may wind up, you know, losing, but they play you tough. I'll give them that. Then they play the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills again. So tough stretch there to finish the season. Those last three games, playoff teams. The last game is in Buffalo, so it'll be tough for the New England Patriots. You got to get this win now while you can. So I think New England can do that. I think that New England can make enough plays. I think it's, you know, again, not too high scoring. Uh, don't think any team exceeds 25 points. I can see this being a 24-10, 24-13 sort of game in which New England uh, wins and does just enough and then defensively really stout. And I want to see Matt Judon. He's been awfully quiet the past two weeks, and that's kind of what we've seen from Judon last year. Terrific. Last five, six games, he kind of trailed off there at the end. First half, he's been great. Last two weeks, haven't heard a lot of them. Since the Vikings, 
Bills, Judon's been relatively quiet. I expect him to have a statement game here against the Cardinals to light, look for him to get Kyler Murray on the ground. Uh, again, like New England to win this game, uh, I have them winning. A low-scoring game. I'm taking the under. Taking the under on a lot of things. Uh, big plays. Not a lot of prop bets tonight. If you're into that sort of thing. Now let's move on to week 14 and look at some things that have happened around the league uh, yesterday. I want to start off with Sunday night game, which I thought was excellent. Clearly the right choice, the right flex there. Uh, that was the Miami Dolphins in the Los Angeles Chargers. For the record, I picked the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you know, to me, Justin Herbert's a class act. I know you won't publicly say this, uh, but, you know, you have those two quarterbacks linked to a Todd Viloa and Justin Herbert because of that draft in which Tua was the fifth pick by the Dolphins, Justin Herbert the sixth pick by the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert's clearly been by far the better quarterback than Tua in his career. Tua having a fantastic year so far, but I still like Herbert. I liked Herbert last night. And last night proved it. Herbert was spectacular. I love, I, I'm going to be honest, I love Justin Herbert. I loved him for a while now. You know, he's not really a polarizing figure because he doesn't talk to the media a lot. He kind of gives you the boring answers, you know, isn't, you know, controversial at all. And his play really isn't either. He's just a great player, but for some reason, he's polarizing because. He has not gone to the playoffs with this, the talent that he possesses. So a lot of people want to knack him for that. You know, I'll deduct him a point. But considering that the Chargers are the Chargers, they're not good. I don't like their head coach. And they've had a myriad of injuries. Justin Herbert is still spectacular. And there's this one analyst who called, you know, uh, Justin Herbert a social media quarterback, kind of picked on him. Uh, a few weeks ago, and Justin Herbert is now, he just makes all the right throws. Yesterday, clearly outperformed Tua. 39 of 51, 367 yards of touchdown, a quarterback rating of 68, and a passer rating of 102. Can I interest you in that? Versus Tua, 10 of 28. Just terrible. Just terrible. Uh, 145 yards passing, a QBR of 25. That's on a scale of 0 to 100. Needs a 25. That is the F of the highest order. That's enough minus. They have a pass rating of 65, so not good. And because of Tua's uh, terrible display last night where he was a, the number one rated passer, uh, Jalen Hurts passed him up yesterday because of how poorly Tua played. Uh, Justin Herbert was the better quarterback. The Chargers looked like the better team as well. It was fun watching this Chargers team play, you know, when they're healthy on offense. You have a, teams have a hard time stopping them. They are great offensively. And this is why I picked the Chargers to do so well, because I thought they had a top uh, five roster in the NFL coming into this year. I thought offensively, again, just great with Justin Herbert at the quarterback position. Uh, Big wide receiver in Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen is also terrific as well. You're able to see both those receivers on the same page yesterday with Justin Herbert. Mike Williams 
six catches, 116 yards. And I wish he was in the lineup more because he just is such a big presence. You can't leave him a one-on-one. He's a sure target. Uh, great uh, connection there with Justin Herbert, but he seems to always be nicked up in and out of the lineup. But if he's healthy, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, who had 12 catches, 92 yards, this can be a formidable offense. Come playoff time, a team nobody wants to see because Justin Herbert rarely makes a bad throw where you go, huh, that was, you know, bad where we see Josh Allen skip some passes. We see Patrick Mahomes just throw terrible interceptions, just terrible. Uh, two guys I don't see uh, do that is Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. But the talent of Allen and Mahomes kind of surpasses those other two, so we kind of gloss over it. Uh, but the Chargers great, you know, defensively. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, the commentator, mentioned it. Uh, but, you know, kind of minus Tolio Mack and Asante Samuel. Chargers are playing backups. No Joey Bosa. No Derwin James. Uh, J.C. Jackson gone from here. So it's tough. And the defense, I thought, was terrific yesterday. Really stood up strong. Uh, it helped that, you know, it looked like Jalen Waddle's dealing with an injury. I don't know what's going on with him. Tyreek was dealing with an ankle injury, even though he's still super effective with that ankle injury. Uh, but I give credit to the Chargers uh, to play in this hard-fought game there. Uh, Chargers were clearly the better team. And now if you're a, Dol- a Dolphins fan, it's worrisome because, you know, you've played a lot of good teams so far, and you've lost all of them, minus the Bills earlier in the year. Uh, but other than that, it's been tough. I'll give the Dolphins credit for the comeback on the Ravens, beating the Bills. But since that, September uh, 25th, week three, mind you, it's been tough. It's been uh, losses to the you know Bengals. It's been a loss to the Jets, the Vikings, uh, the 49ers last week. Now the Chargers, they still got to play the Jets again. The Bills again. So uh, I think the Dolphins are a great team, but there's a limit offensively when it comes to Tua. Tua with time, no pressure, uh, wide open receivers is great. Tua facing a pass rush and some injuries trying to elevate. Not that guy. Justin Herbert is that guy. We've been able to see that. Him and, you know, Palmer, Joshua Palmer established a connection that they've obviously found and kept going. But I like the Chargers a lot moving forward uh, if they can play in spite of their head coach and, you know, kind of get some of those injured defensive stars returning the end of the end of the year. Another team I want to touch on, Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Oh, that game was horrible. Oh, it was horrible. I, I had to turn that game off. Everybody knowing me, being such a big Tom Brady fan, rooting for Tampa, I thought – you know, this game was going to be low-scoring. Tampa ekes out a close one because Tom Brady was the GOAT. Uh, but yesterday was not a great performance by any Tampa Bay Buccaneer member. They all played terrible. Tom Brady, two interceptions, bad throws. Uh, Rashad White fumbled the ball. Offensive line, Donovan Smith, that left tackle, is now the most penalized offensive lineman in the league. He's absolutely terrible, and he's supposed to be the surefire starter, the lone starter. Uh, 
out of that injured group. And he's playing like the worst one. He is. He's downright awful. Uh, Mike Evans looks slow, looks old. Tom Brady, dare I say, looks washed like he should retire like yesterday in that press conference. Uh, the defense without Vita Vea can't stop a lick running the football. And the defense, other than that, told, even with the, you know, down Antoine Winfield, down Vita Vea, if they're not full, if that unit is not fully healthy, it's bad. What we see from the Niners when they have injuries on defense, it's next man up. They're able to, you know, still play as a unit. But this defense just can't. Everybody looks slow, looks bad, and it's embarrassing. Yesterday was a national embarrassment. This was America's Game of the Week on Fox, and it was just embarrassing. It was, it was tough to watch. Like I said, I had to turn it off halftime. I never even turned it back, 28-0. Uh, to zero. You know, it's, you know, they make a the big play. Holding call on Donovan Smith, it's, Get to the red zone. Tom Brady skips a pass on fourth down. It's they can't sustain drives. The defense was absolutely terrible. The offense was bad. Everything was bad. I don't think Todd Bowles can coach. I think he's a great guy. Don't think he can coach. Don't think he's an alpha like Bruce Arians was. Tom Brady doesn't look good this year. I hate to say it because I think he's a go. I came in this year. I thought he was a he was a number one quarterback last year. Should have won MVP. Maybe he should have exited last year because he does not look good. And there's reports about him exploring all options for next year. But if Tom Brady's going to continue to look like this, I don't I don't want to sign up for it. I don't want to remember Tom Brady's final year being the worst year of his professional career. Last year was at least great. Because he went down with the most passing touchdowns, yards, uh, was the best quarterback last year. That's how I'd rather remember him going out on top than what I'm watching now. And it's just complete and utter embarrassment. And I'm at the point where at least, you know, you can defend Tom Brady. I can defend Tom's Brady career. Anybody can because he's the GOAT. But defending this year is bad now. In retrospect, you know, when we look at historical accomplishments, It'll just be, you know, a minor indictment on the GOAT's resume. But, you know, in the back of my mind and, you know, a lot of people's minds, that was, you know, where they remember Tom Brady left, you know, all that junk. Uh, but, yeah, it looks bad. It looks bad. Tom Brady doesn't, dare I say, doesn't look like a top 10 quarterback. Now, I'm not going to go through all my rankings. But the two quarterbacks who I thought were great last year, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, have been usurped by Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Now, not in that order, but to me, those four are in a tier above everyone else, skill and talent-wise. If you want to base it off accomplishments, go ahead, do that. But those four guys, when I watch those four guys play football, that is quarterbacking right there. And last year, I think I came to grips at, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, flirting with retirement. You don't want that to happen. But watching this quarterback class, especially the four quarterbacks I just named, 
the league's in good hands. And I always probably like that for fans like watch Joe Montana, Steve Young. It's like, I don't know how we're going to see any more quarterbacks, you know, like this. But also Troy Aikman was in there. And you're like, there's just great quarterbacks. And then the next generation, you've got the Tom Brady's, uh, Kurt Warner, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. That generation's like, how are we going to do it? And you've got Aaron Rodgers filling in there. You know, like, how are we going to move on from this? And then we got four great quarterbacks. So, league will always be in great hands. And I'm at peace now if Tom Brady leaves because I don't want to watch any more of this Tom Brady show that's going on. But give credit to the Niners. That defense, again, proves me right that they're the best defense in football. When people want to say arguably or throw the cat, uh, Eagles in there, the Cowboys, it's it's clearly the Niners. They're the best. The run schemes Kyle Shanahan dials up with Christian McCaffrey's brilliant. Brock Purdy played excellent. Uh, the one thing that could be looming is the injuries now for them. Already missing their quarterback house. Brock Purdy going to play come playoff time. And then the loss of Debo Samuel. No official word on what it is. They say it's a high ankle sprain. Could be four to six weeks, but there's no t- timetable on exactly what it is. Anything that's gone on. So that, to me, is a huge, huge loss uh, because if a team with a good defense, not like the Buccaneers, can bottle up Christian McCaffrey, you don't have that Debo Samuel option. It's Brock Purdy throwing to IU and throwing to George Kittle. Can he do it if a team can bottle up the run game? Now, there's no team left on the schedule that can do it. 49ers play the Cardinals, terrible defense. Seahawks don't have a great defense protecting the run. Commanders are just all right, and Raiders, no. So it's going to come playoff time, but we'll see. That's my only question for the San Francisco 49ers. As they actually look to clinch the division, they can do so Thursday night. How can they clinch the division with that one? Well, Seattle's lost, and Geno's starting to look like the Geno that I used to know. All right, song pun intended there. But Geno Smith, last yesterday, the past couple of weeks, is regressing two bad interceptions. Uh, when they don't have the run game going, Geno Smith looks like he did with the Jets. That's just an average, mediocre quarterback. Last week against the Rams wasn't great. Uh, Raiders, again, wasn't great. So Bucks, the second half of the season, not as great as the first half, and now, guess what? They get to play the Niners, who are the class of the NFC West. Then they get to play the Chiefs in the class of football, the class of the NFL, and a tough defense on the Jets, and then finish out with the Rams. This is a key stretch for them because the Seahawks went from, you know, in control there in the sixth seed spot to now currently not in the playoffs. So this is a big game for them because if they lose, there's no way they can win the division uh, coming up. And, you know, you're fighting for a wild card spot. The Giants' commanders have tied. That benefits their case and hurts your case more. So it's difficult. Uh, and, you know, Sam Darnold, you know, played efficient, excellent. They were able to run the football uh, well. And, you know, I know the final score was 30-24, but trust me, the game wasn't that close. Uh, Carolina was in full control from start to finish. Always had the lead. Jumped out to a 17-0 lead. It was 20-7. It was uh, 
you know, 20 to 17 for a brief point, but, you know, again, the Panthers were in control of this game. And now the Panthers are breathing down Tampa Bay's neck, uh, is they are, you know, really game back. If the Panthers win this upcoming week and the Bucks lose, Panthers are in first place because they have a tiebreak over the Bucks. So just those couple teams there I just mentioned, the final stretch of this season is going to be interesting to me. We're about, we're three quarters of the way done with this NFL season. And to me, the last quarter is going to be phenomenal. The wild card races, the division races, the playoff race, uh, it's going to be great. So to me, those were some of the bigger takeaways of week 14. Now kind of just rolling through, uh, Kansas City, Denver. Kansas City beat Denver. But it was closer than a lot of people thought, including myself, 34-28 Kansas City. Uh, they were up 27-0 to at one point, and Mahomes let them end the game. Mahomes, three interceptions, played bad. Now, he made great throws, but three interceptions, inexcusable. He made a couple great plays, but to me, he made more bad plays than good plays, even in a win. Uh, with that being said, he kind of lost. Uh, the MVP favorite that he was, it's on Jalen Hurt's shoulders now. Patrick Mahomes has exited the race after, uh, you know, the loss last week to the Bengals. And now, you know, the win, just a he looked bad. He just did. Uh, you know, we talked about Josh Allen and kind of a couple bad games that he's had. Well, that was one of those games that uh, Patrick Mahomes had right there. He was not good, uh, but they were able to win. But Patrick Mahomes lost that MVP race. Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Knew it was a low scoring. Tough. George Pickens. I mean, my bad. Uh, Kenny Pickett entered concussion protocol early in the game. Mitch Trubisky threw three interceptions. And the red zone was absolutely atrocious. Tyler Huntley got injured. Down to backups on backups. But Baltimore was able to pull through and, you know, retain that division lead. Uh, so far, so good for them, uh, but two big injuries there. Philadelphia and the Giants. Like I said, Jalen Hurts surpassed Patrick Mahomes for the MVP favorite, and he was great yesterday, sensational against the Giants. Just a complete can of you-know-what opened on the New York Giants. Jalen Hurts, you know, had a rushing touchdown, a couple of long strikes to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders got in on the action. Even Boston Scott got a garbage time touchdown. Fly, Eagles, fly. Philadelphia, oh, when I do my power rankings next, they're the number one. They're the best team in football. Uh, best team in the NFC by far. Uh, and to me, they look like Super Bowl favorites. Uh, they're the most cohesive team, most uninjured group when you look at the NFC. And when you look at the NFC, it's you know, eh, but the Eagles really stand out. They're head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC teams. Uh, a Super Bowl with, you know, Philly versus anybody in the AFC kind of sounds like a given to me. I'm not, I would not say, you know, book it, you know, there's still a lot of football left to be played, but Eagles are playing really good right now. Jalen Hurts has taken that step, and he's in the MVP conversation. He's in the MVP favorite as you rightfully should be. Tennessee and Jacksonville. 
Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence rebounded from a tough loss last week to the Lions. Absolutely walloped the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry, two uncharacteristic fumbles. Ryan Tannehill with a very characteristic interception. And the Jaguars pounced on those opportunities. Evan Ingram, you know, said, let me play like the best tight end in football as he had 11 catches, 162 yards, and two touchdowns. And Jacksonville just swarmed Tennessee. Tennessee, who's been great against AFC South opponents, who are 11-1 in their past 12 games, absolutely got humbled yesterday. Now Tennessee is reeling. You know, they were 7-3 and uh, three talk of Tennessee and how great they are. Well, guess what? Uh, ever since then, they have slowly started to crash and burn. And you see, this is what makes it tough. Because last week I said, you know, there's a lot, you know, you know, when I was doing my rankings and I had told Tampa, you know, the 10th spot, because I said the 10th was the hardest spot. And everyone kind of proved me right. Because guess what? Tampa Bay lost in that fashion, looked bad. I said Seattle, they looked bad. Uh, Jets, really? They looked bad. Tennessee, they looked bad. Giants looked bad. All those teams got embarrassed. So I think there's nine good teams. I think it should just be, you know, the power nine. Forget about top ten uh, because a lot of teams look bad. Minnesota, Detroit. This was a great game. Uh, my Detroit seven and ten prediction to start the year. You know, scoff at me when they were one and six. Uh, but being five and one in your past six games, six and seven now, Jamison Williams incorporated in for a play. Uh, looks good. Beating the Minnesota Vikings by 11, that was convincing because they were in control the whole game. Um, one time when it was 7-7, but after that, Lions never looked back. The Lions looked on it. Jared Goff played great. I think this was Kirk Cousins' best game of the season. But Jared Goff looked better. The offense looked better. Uh, they were able to get the ball uh, to multiple you know, receivers, uh, Justin Jackson, uh, DeAndre Swift, DJ Charts, Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams. I mean, everybody involved. They even had a play for Panay Sewell, an offensive lineman. Everything was great. The defense absolutely bottlenecked the run. Dalvin Cook, 15 carries for 23 yards, buck and a half average. Alexander Madison, two carries, negative one yards. Held the team from Minnesota to 22 yards rushing, average of 1.3, a long of five. That's a master class on stopping the run. If Tampa Bay's defense could have done that yesterday, uh, maybe Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay would still be in the game. But Detroit, absolutely stuffed a run. Dalvin Cook being one of the better running backs in the league, it was impressive. Absolutely impressive on um, what the Detroit Lions did yesterday. Now, they let Justin Jefferson have his yards. They said, you know, we'll let Justin Jefferson uh, have 11 catches, 223 yards, but we'll take the running game out. We'll force Kirk Cousins to be the man we know that he's not. And, you know, it was just a heavy dose of Justin Jefferson and other than that. It was at TJ Hawkinson, a couple of drops, didn't play well. Adam Thielen, you know, played good, but Lions played better. I'm proud of my Lions. Proud rep in Detroit, as I'm wearing right now. My Detroit Lions shirt, they looked really, really good. And now it's, hey, there's a real shot of a playoffs after winning this game. It's we play a Jets team that doesn't look like the Jets that did to start the year. The Panthers, who are 
looking up, but hey, it's the Panthers, the Bears who we beat earlier, and the Packers who we beat earlier. So, Lions, you got to vote of confidence. I said seven and ten and not miss the playoffs. I might very, very, still very well be right, but Detroit's in the right direction. This is the direction I thought they'd be in. Dan Campbell is an excellent coach. I love rooting for the Lions more than I love rooting for any other team in the NFL right now. It is fun watching the Detroit Lions play football. They're great. And to me, they're a team no one wants to see in the playoffs. If they're the seventh seed and they have to face Minnesota again, you think Minnesota wants to see another see the Lions here? The Lions were to win, play the Eagles. Detroit lost to the Eagles by three points. It was to me was outside of the loss to the Commanders, the closest game uh, the Eagles played this year. Do the Eagles want to see them? I guarantee you this. Nobody wants to see the Detroit Lions. They sneak in NFC Championship. If they sneak into the seventh seed and they avoid a first-round date with the Niners and play the Vikings, uh, NFC Championship could very much well be in the Detroit Lions' future. This year, I predicted it next year. But my gift could come early. The Detroit Lions making me proud. Very fun to watch. Dallas-Houston. Dallas eked one out. I said, you know, Dallas has kind of this blow-you-out close game formula. I continue to be right on Dallas. They're not that great. Gronk, you know, as I was watching Fox yesterday, said Cowboys are pretenders. Everybody scoffed at them. Everybody's declaring them championship-bound. He said pretenders. I could not agree with somebody more than I agree with Gronk. They're pretenders. They showed yesterday. They're pretenders. To have a four-point win over the Texans is just what they do. Like I said, dating back to end of October, you blow out the Cowboys. You blow out the Bears. Cowboys bounce back and lose to the Packers. Blow out the Vikings. After that, close game against the Giants. Blow out the Cowboys. Uh, or the Cowboys and blow up the Colts, then it's a close one over the Texans. So guess what's coming up for the Jaguars? One of two things are going to happen. Cowboys are either going to blow them out, or the Jaguars are going to win. It's one of two things. It's not going to be a Cowboys close victory, because they had that last week. It's either going to be a Cowboys blowout, or a Jaguars victory. And it could be a Jags victory, because it's in Jacksonville. Uh, Jags are playing good. Who knows what happens? Could the Cowboys be still looking ahead to the Eagles Christmas Eve? We'll see. But Cowboys, to me, are pretenders. Dak Prescott is not bad guy. I like Tony Pollard. I have him on fantasy. He's doing great. He's not bad guy. Defense is good. Not great. This team is good. Not great. And to win a Super Bowl, got to be great. Not just good. Cincinnati-Cleveland, Joe Burrow-Cincinnati exercised the Cleveland Demons, finally beat them. Congratulations to them. Jamar Chase was brilliant. Ten catches, 119 yards, and the touchdown. Joe Burrow was efficient. Deshaun Watson looks terrible. Back-to-back starts now. Absolutely looks like the worst quarterback in the league. Baker Mayfield looks better than Deshaun Watson. Uh, This $230 million guaranteed contract, uh, is not on the Brown side. Like I say, he looks terrible. Looks absolutely terrible. 
And guess what? He's got to face a good defense and the Ravens coming up. A good defense and the Saints. Commander's decent defense and the Steelers. This could get ugly for the Browns. It could be an off-season of questions like, if Deshaun Watson doesn't come back the way we want him to come back, the way we expected him to come back, this could look like the worst contract in NFL history. There's some bad contracts out there right now. Kyler Murray, bad contract. Aaron Rodgers, bad contract. Matthew Stafford, bad contract. Aaron Donald, bad contract. This contract could end up well being a very, very, very bad contract for the Cleveland Browns. But again, like I say, they are the Cleveland clowns and they do clownish things and that's just what they do. They're a clown show over there. Last but not least, Buffalo Bills. Bills won. Beat the Jets 20-12 as expected. Anything else to say? I think not. Let's move on, shall we? Moving off the NFL to the MLB. Some interesting signings here that I want to talk about last week that I get a chance to. One of them, Aaron Judge, getting a nine-year, $360 million deal. Congratulations to him. I mean, I think he's a great guy. Uh, they, spent, they spend a lot of money. Yankees, they have three huge 300-plus contracts, and Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Garrett Cole. Giancarlo has not lived up to it. Garrett Cole has not lived up to it. We'll see if Aaron Judge lives up to it after a bit on himself. I think Aaron Judge has earned it, but I don't think these long contracts – Pan out. Aaron Judge is 30. This will take him to the end of his career at 39. I think he'll have a great first three years of his contract. I think the following three years will just be okay. We'll be all right. And then the last three will just be Yankees just getting an old player money that can't hit anymore. So Yankees have, to me, three years to cash in on this deal. Uh, that they made, and it kind of correlates, too, with Garrett Cole and John Carlos' contracts as well. They have three years to win a championship, because if they don't with all that money spent on old players, it's going to be very hard to do. Just want to leave that out there. Right now, you got a three-year window, and that's usually what it has in baseball. You have windows with these contracts. That is the window I'm giving the Yankees. Who has a smaller window? The Mets. Now, it could enlarge depending on what they do, but to me, they have a two-year window. They got Max Scherzer for two more years. They signed Justin Verlander to two years, and I think that's a smarter, better contract than the one the Rangers gave to Grom, and I think it's smart for the Mets not to match it, considering the injury history, and to me, Justin Verlander, even at 39, being a better pitcher than DeGrom is at 34. So I think it's smart. They also got Singa, Japanese uh, pitcher who's great, who's 29. They got Quintana. They spent a bunch of money. Uh, so two-year window, they've addressed their starting pitching, and it's a very dominant lineup. But to me, there's still two areas of concern for the Mets. One of it being relief pitching outside of Edwin Diaz and hitting. If Team Alonzo and uh, Francisco Lindor don't get going, who's going to hit for them? It's a fair question. Uh, I think that's the lone thing is having a power-hitting player on your lineup. Another move, Andrew Bogarts, uh, star shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, signed with the Padres, huge contract to, uh, you know, 
$280 million deal, 11 years, 30 years old. So kind of like the Judge deal, but he's excellent. Uh, great shortstop. To me, it's interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, that's the position Fernando Tatis plays. But this is a stacked lineup. Bogarts, Tatis, uh, Machado, Juan Soto. They were in on Aaron Judge before the Bogarts deal. So Padres want to win as well. And guess what? They showed they can. They beat the Dodgers last year in the playoffs. And they're not afraid. Not afraid of the Dodgers. I like it. I like them spending money. Uh, good for them. World Cup. World Cup has been fascinating. I've loved watching every minute of it. Uh, into the semifinals, a couple of great quarterfinal matches. We just had Argentina in the GOAT. Messi advancing on penalty kicks. Croatia stunning Brazil. Morocco ending uh, Ronaldo's international career. And France escaping against England, in which I thought England played an excellent game from top to bottom and won. Now we're on to the semifinals. Uh, those are tomorrow. And Wednesday, tomorrow's Argentina-Croatia. And to me, this is a very interesting game. You, to me, you have the best player, Lionel Messi, against another fantastic player in Luka Modric. To me, one of the best center midfielders of all time. Uh, last World Cup, they were in the same group. Croatia dominated them 3-0. Different coach or different manager, different system. I didn't work out. The new manager, Scaloni. I think is fantastic, you know, the way this team can operate and maneuver, especially since this Croatia team's older. They want to go to penalties. I think Argentina will win this one. I think they win comfortably. Uh, I think, you know, Croatia plays just to get the penalties and say, hey, we've got a great goalie. Uh, we really do. Uh, but to me, Argentina also has a good one, a uh, great goalkeeper. It'll be close, but the brilliance of Lionel Messi uh, you know, puts them up 1-0, and then they're able to close it off. Uh, Croatia will fight back, but they can't fight back like the Netherlands. I think it'll be a more respected game uh, between Messi and Luka, and I think uh, Messi gets this one. Then you have France-Morocco, another great matchup. Morocco, the underdogs, the uh, first African nation to get to the semifinals. Uh, I think the second Muslim nation, so breaking down barriers there. Uh, Youssef has been great. Uh, Mbappe also has scored the most goals so far in the World Cup. I would love for Morocco to somehow pull off the upset and beat France. Don't see it happening. I see France advancing and getting an Argentina-France World Cup. I'll make a prediction on that. But that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. I like Argentina-Morocco, but I don't think Argentina is overlooking Croatia. I think both these matchups in the semifinals uh, will be great. And last but not least, I want to talk about some college football. First, I'll start with the Heisman. The Heisman was declared this past weekend. Caleb Williams won as expected. Congratulations to him. He played phenomenal. I thought Max Duggan, uh, you know, should have won it, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but good for him. Thought he was great. But I just want to revisit some of my original predictions from what I made in August and how we're looking now. My Heisman winner was C.J. Stroud. Uh, he finished third. Again, third last year, third this year. Uh, kind of, he, to me, was the favorite until that Michigan game. And Caleb Williams met Doug and then overtook him. But I was in the realm there. 
safe pick, good pick. C.J. Stroud got it. Uh, let's talk about some other ones. Uh, playoff. I thought Michigan was going to be the one seed, be undefeated 13-0. I was right on the 13-0 part. I said they'd play in the Fiesta Bowl. I got that notated. Uh, just missed on that one. Uh, I actually, no, they're playing in the Fiesta Bowl. I missed on them being the one seed. Georgia is the one seed. I had Georgia being the three in the Peach Bowl. They're the one in the Peach Bowl at 12-1. and one. They actually went 13-0. and 0. Alabama I had going 12-1. and one. They went 10-2. and two. Didn't make it, so no Peach Bowl for them. I had Ohio State playing Michigan 11-1, so I had Fiesta Bowl, Michigan, Ohio State, Peach Bowl, Alabama, Georgia. And we were actually very close to that. Uh, you had a lot of people say, hey, Michigan played Ohio State 2-3, and three, Georgia 1, Alabama 4. So we were close to my prediction. I had, I think, the best prediction out of any analyst. I don't think anybody picked Michigan to go, and I know for sure nobody picked TCU. So I was pretty safe. So I had three out of my four predictions make the playoff. Ohio State exactly nailed it 11-1-4. Michigan at 13-0. and I had Georgia uh, losing the game, but being, it didn't end up doing that. So I was close. Bowl games, Fiesta there, Peach there. So I'm extremely proud. I'm going to say I'm going to toot my own horn on this one. Um, my playoff, my college football predictions were great throughout the season. So if anybody listened and made some money off just the straight-up bets that you did, uh, I believe I finished. Let me double-check my notes here. But I believe my all-time score this year was 70-39. and 39. Uh, which was pretty good. Uh, again, not going to lie there. Yes, 70 and 39. So, uh, pretty great. Uh, not going to lie. So, happy about that. Orange Bowl. I had Clemson versus Baylor. Guess what? Guess who's playing in Orange Bowl? Clemson. I said their record was going to be 11 and 2. Guess what their record is? 11 and 2. However, they're not playing Baylor. Baylor didn't make it, thought they'd be better. Uh, let down Kansas State, or my bad, Tennessee played really good. They're there in the Orange Bowl instead. So Clemson, hey, it's in their Sugar Bowl. Totally wrong. I thought Texas A&M was going to be a lot better than they were. Dead wrong on that one. Oklahoma thought they were going to be better. Dead wrong on that one. So my Alabama pick then goes to the Sugar Bowl. Kansas State goes into the Sugar Bowl. Great matchup there. Cotton Bowl, I said Notre Dame, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati was not the best group of five school. It was Tulane. Notre Dame had a chance to get there, but fizzled out there near the end of the loss to USC. So USC goes to the Cotton Bowl instead in Rose Bowl. I said Michigan State, Utah. Utah was right. Got that one. 10 and 3, Utah. 10 and 3, they're representing the, in the Rose Bowl, but not playing Michigan State. They're playing Penn State. I thought Michigan State would be similar to last year, lose to Michigan, Ohio State. But flip that with Penn State. Penn State is there in the Rose Bowl. They had the two losses to Michigan and Ohio State. So playoff college football predictions look good. It's going to be exciting later in the week. I'm going to pick all the bowl games, uh, go through all those minus uh, the playoff ones so far. But it is a great slate of college football coming up, I believe, this weekend. Uh, the Saturday is the first round of bowl games. So great. Again, Patriots-Cardinals tonight, Monday night. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.